Hello, you are listening to the Nourish Gut Podcast. This space is for the woman who is suffering from digestive issues like IBS and SIBO. I am your host, Carly Raven. I am a naturopath, clinical nutritionist, gut health expert, and mother. My mission is to help educate you about IBS and SIBO and take you on a journey to resolving your digestive issues. I will have real conversations and give you solutions that I know actually work. So if you're ready to be bloat-free, poo better, have more energy and become free from the fear of food, then you are in the right place. Hello and welcome back to episode 23 on the Nourish Gut podcast. Today I'm really excited to have a very special guest uh, coming onto the podcast and uh, her name is Carla Wren and she is a colleague of mine and she is a naturopathic practitioner She runs an amazing naturopathic dispensary down on the Mornington Peninsula, has a beautiful team of uh, naturopaths that have different um, specialty areas. And uh, Carla herself really uh, focuses on chronic disease and she has a really beautiful mission of reducing chronic disease in Australia. Uh, And she uses this, um, sorry, she's trying to achieve this through a functional medicine approach. And so I wanted to talk to her today about what is functional medicine and how does she use that functional medicine approach approach with her patients with gut disorders and we also started talking about oncology and the gut in oncology patients um, and also talked about uh, a little bit about like patients being put in a box um, and offering them hope and really encouraging people to you know keep uh, seeking out other options and uh, often using that integrative approach um, can be really successful for these patients. So tune in um, to the rest of this episode to learn more about, you know, some of the advice that Carla is currently giving to her patients um, to help with their gut and how she actually uses functional medicine um, in her practice. This episode is perfect whether you are, you know, a member of the general public or you may even be a practitioner who knows about Carla, has considered doing her training by Tay Mosaic. Um, so it will provide some insight into, you know, what that's about and, and how that might change your practice and improve your patients as well. So let's dive right in and get started. I can't wait. Hi, Carla, and welcome to the Nourish Gut podcast. How are you? Good, thanks, Carly. That's good. I'm so excited to have you today. Um, I feel like you've been like a lifelong uh, mentor and support for me. So I feel like having you on my podcast is just so fitting and honoured. I feel really honoured to have you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's like the full circle moment. It is. It's like our journey, obviously, um, for everyone listening, we also have a beautiful friendship, but it started off as very professional. I did Carla's course and mentoring with her and I went to her beautiful clinic um, down on the Mornington Peninsula and got to see her clinic in action in the very early days of becoming a naturopath. So, yeah, it's like full circle. Many years later, here we are um, on the podcast. Yay. So today um, we're going to be talking all about functional medicine and gut health because Carla is pretty awesome um, in the world of functional medicine and intertwining that as a, a naturopath. So Carla, can you tell us a little bit more about like using functional medicine uh, uh, in your practice as a naturopath and kind of maybe even like tell everyone a little bit more about what is functional medicine and how does that fit into what you do? 
Sure. So, yeah, I'm a naturopath as trained, um, you know, like 19, 20 years ago now. So it feels like a long time ago, but I started to get all of these really complex cases, gut health cases and other cases. And I just felt like I couldn't find the right solution for my patient. And there was a lot of symptomatic prescribing going on, but I wanted to dig deeper. And so I looked at some of the um, kind of training that I was doing and what seemed to kind of resonate with me is so many of the speakers were functionally medicine um, trained practitioners. And so what functional medicine is, is it's really looking for the drivers and digging deeper. And the naturopaths who might be listening to this might be saying, I'm doing this, I'm already doing that, but I feel like functional medicine offers a real system around how to do it so we don't miss things and things aren't overlooked. Uh, and systematizing things makes it easier for the patient. Um, I think it helps compliance, it helps a practitioner and, um, you know, really looking at that um, system biology rather than symptomatic treatment um, is a big part of functional medicine. So when I came back to Australia after training in the US and I combine the two, I just feel like it's so much more successful for patients with complex and chronic health problems. I have to agree because obviously after doing your course, I feel like um, it really does provide like a step-by-step process um, for patients and kind of almost allows you to step back and see the bigger picture of what's going on or maybe like certain areas that are really standing out, Um, you know, and I think now that I solely practice as a gut practitioner as well, like using that approach just within the gut stuff as well can even like now honing in on that, I can even say, okay, well, you know, certain areas of gut health and what are the drivers just within gut health rather than a whole body perspective as well. So it's um, it's an awesome system. Yeah, excellent. I agree. Um, so with functional medicine, how can you kind of like, how does that specifically help with gut issues? And when you use like functional medicine approach, uh, maybe with someone sitting in front of you who has IBS or SIBO or IBD, how do you think that benefits them? Yeah, so I really believe that there's um, quite often this box idea of medicine. And if we take IBS as an example, um, you know, a doctor will um, look at for different signs and symptoms to diagnose someone, um, maybe as a diagnosis of exclusion in IBS's case, with, with a, a, a name for a condition, and they almost put them in the box. And I'm not anti-doctor when I say this. This is just what the pattern that we see is. And so once they get put in a box, whether it be IBD or IBS or, um, you know, what whatever the diagnosis is, there's a group of treatment options or symptoms um, management uh, with pharmaceuticals that will be offered. And that's kind of where it ends. And so I think in functional medicine, when we think about gut health issues, we dig a whole lot deeper and we really get to look at things like the drivers of digestive system function, looking at the different um, digestion options, microbiome, detoxification, and they're some of the drivers that we look at in my course, Vita Mosaic. But I also think we get to look at the bigger picture. Obviously, your Um, patients we consider things like mental and emotional nervous system function but also going a bit deeper and thinking about the overall immune system inflammation and I even think things like cardiometabolic like if you think about a patient who might have blood glucose regulation issues their microbiome is probably affected and if they have type 2 diabetes and they're on medication then their microbiome is probably affected but their gut health is probably affected by that medication and so is their nutrients and there's potential deficiencies in that so thinking about all of those drivers and how they could impact the gut just strengthens the ability for us to um, treat all the systems and and eradicate the symptoms by really resolving the the cause. Mm, And gut health really tends to be, you know, the centre of so many chronic disease, doesn't it? Do you think, like, do you think there's a patient that you see that doesn't have, like, some form of gut issue or, like, 
do you always treat the gut in some way, do you think? Yeah, I do. And I think I have some key things that I'll think about when I'm seeing each patient that just is kind of like checking that box for me of like, is this something that I need to address now or do I need with supplements or do I need to educate them on it? You know, maybe it's talking about um, prebiotics in food or doing a diet diary to begin with so I can start to understand what they're eating and how that has an impact on their gut. And so we might not necessarily address it straight up, um, but I'll definitely be considering it. It's like, you know, obviously way back when, when I studied, we didn't have all of these great tools and tests mm. that we could use. And so treat the gut was like the number one thing. And I even remember practitioners saying like, when in doubt, treat the gut. So um, yeah, I try and always remember that with, with patients um, because, you know, we all know that that can have such a huge impact on food choices. It can cause stress. It can change sleep patterns. Um, you know, it just blows out if the gut is an imbalance. Mm. And can I like, what was like when you start, first started practicing, what did it look like in terms of testing for gut health? Like, I'm like, because it's so more advanced. I reckon even yeah, we, in the last couple of years. Did you have testing really, back then? Not really. We did like weed, seed and feed. We really got educated in that. Um, and we did have a test that now is kind of being debunked. We use the urinary indican test a lot oh, um, yeah. in the clinic, um, which is like turned you into a full scientist because you used all these <laughs> very um, chemicals to try and understand dysbiosis for your patient. But there was no specifics. And you know what? Patients loved it at the time because it was close as we could get to understanding what might be going on in their gut when their tummy wasn't feeling well. And there started to be some food intolerance testing, um, but it was it was very different. We were all weed seed and feed and elimination diets. And I know that you have like a very big team of um, naturopaths. And do you guys in your um, clinic across the board, do you guys use a lot of testing in your um, practice for gut health um, and tying that in with your functional medicine approach? Yeah, definitely. I think different practitioners will have a favourite. It's a bit like you and I, if we sit down and go, no, this is my favourite gut test, we'll probably have differing opinions <laughs> in our practice. And I think it's what you're used to, what you get great results with, what your patients respond to. Um, but yes, certainly we do. And we have all the, all the different options there. And it's funny to see, um, or interesting more than funny to see what other people do and the results they get. We do have little chats about like our biggest wins with patients in, in team meetings. Um, and sometimes you hear about this other test and it certainly does prick your ears up and think, oh, maybe I should start to use that or look at it more. So you know, we try and share that knowledge around. It's constantly changing. And I think it is like a really hot topic amongst us as practitioners about like what test should we be using and why and what's the best. And then you kind of get in the groove of using one and then, oh, my gosh, now there's a new one. So yeah. <laughs> and then you feel um, torn. It's like choosing between your favourite child. <laughs> or your favourite shirt or spell dress yeah, yeah. in your case. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is best? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are you like seeing in your clinic, clinic when it comes to gut issues like what would you say is the biggest presenting gut issue at the moment yeah so I talk a lot about invisible illness and invisible illness is when patients come to me um, because of my reputation in solving the hard cases and they have this invisible gut issue now we all know it's not invisible but what that means is that they've gone to their GP numerous times and they've complained about their upset tummies or their food intolerances or they think something's wrong they've probably gone and tried to tell their doctor they've got candida or something 
something like that. And the doctor has said everything's fine and they've dismissed it. And we say invisible because um, people can't see it and yet they can be in significant discomfort. You know, I get loads of patients, even over the last 20 years, who come and they're using their bowels maybe eight times a day and it's affecting their life because they can't go out unless there's a toilet. And they develop severe anxiety or, you know, unless they know where the toilet is because they don't know if they're going to be able to go to the toilet. They may have had accidents. So I see that invisible gut, the start of the gut health cases. Um, and then I also see a lot of the end of the line. So when people are, you know, haven't done the right thing for their gut for a long time or they haven't got the right diagnosis and now they're in significant issues where they might be needing surgery um, or they might be having, you know, significant impact on their quality of life uh, and, and needing help at that point. And then the other one I see heaps of, which I thought um, is good to bring up, is I see lots of oncology patients. That's one of my specialties. And they all um, often have, not all, often they have GI symptoms from the chemotherapy that they're using or the radiotherapy. So I end up doing lots of gut help um, for those people to just manage alongside their oncology treatments, whatever that may be. Can you touch on that a little bit more, like for oncology patients, because it's such a big thing, like, you know, looking at how that would be impacting the microbiome and stuff like that. Um, do you, obviously, because then you're working with a lot of different medications and, you know, it can be a tricky one to navigate. Um, do you find that there's lots that you can do as a naturopath for these oncology patients in terms of minimising those um, complications? Yeah, totally. So I'll give you three tips that just came to mind. So firstly, in oncology, love it. <laughs> yeah, firstly, in oncology, we don't use probiotics if the patient's um, neutrophils or their white cell count are low because oh. it can cause an infection. So there's a few cases. There's actually really in, um, interesting cases. Uh, maybe three different uh, patients, not in my clinic, around the world have have um, actually used SB, um, so Saccharomyces boulardii, for um, their whatever they're doing for their gut during their cancer treatment, and they've touched their port, which is where their chemotherapy has been injected, and they've given themselves systemic infections. So saying to your patients, wash your hands after you've touched your probiotic capsules is really important, and then we don't give them if their um, white cell count or neutrophils are under um, around two for the white cell count, one for the neutrophils, just because it could cause an infection. Um, the next tip is glutamine is brilliant no matter what you read um, about glutamine and cancer for the right person at the right time short-term glutamine really helps with the gut-based inflammation whether it be um, constipation or diarrhea or reflux you know when they have radiotherapy on their um, neck or upper like even breast cancer they'll often get esophagitis so glutamine is great for that but it has one chemotherapy that it interacts with so always ask someone if it's going to be safe to use um, before just adding it in um, and then I think diet, like really talking to them about um, slow foods and, um, you know, I kind of talk to them about, have you had a baby? And if you've had a baby, do you remember what you fed them way back in the beginning when they first started eating like simple sweet potato mash, slow cooked meats, soups, bone broth, those kind of things. So porridge, you know, really easy to digest things because sometimes people are on a raw diet because they think that's going to improve their mm. outcome. And we know that if you've got a really irritated, upset gut and now you're eating a raw diet, it's a pretty bad combination. So, um, yeah, there are a couple of tips, but there's so much we can do. And, you know, no one's really talking about it. Um, new research shows that the um, uh, kind of culmination or combination of your microbiome changes how you respond to chemotherapy. Wow, so that's so cool. Yeah, I expect in a few years' time, 
maybe in our industry, not so much in standard oncology, but in our industry, might, we might be doing more gut testing in, in chemotherapy patients prior to their chemotherapy to understand if we need to make any microbiome shifts so that they can tolerate or um, get the best out of their chemotherapy probably mm. years before that happens in standard oncology. But hopefully we can get more knowledge and start to adopt that in our research. But for the moment, you know, it's kind of that interesting idea. Just keep your gut health good and you're going to have a better response from chemotherapy. Yeah, and I just think like that functional naturopathic combined approach with that medical treatment, like I think what what you've just shared just shines a light on how important it is to have that integrative approach with these patients because obviously they're needing those chemotherapy and the medications and all of that, but they do have effects, you know, and then we know how important the microbiome is and gut health and what does that mean long-term for these patients post-successful chemotherapy treatment and all of that. And um, I think that I can see, you know, with the work that you're doing, such an increased quality of life post-treatment. So you're doing amazing work. I just love it. Thank you. Sadly, I think when someone's diagnosed with cancer, it's like, you know, everyone has a whole health view Maybe it's systematized to the endocrinologist or the gastroenterologist or the urologist, but when the oncologist gets involved, it's like all the other health complaints you ever had or currently have Mm. are forgotten. And imagine if you had IBS, you're freaking out because you can't get to the toilet if you don't know where a toilet is, and then you get breast cancer. It's like everyone forgets about your IBS. So Mm. now you go to chemotherapy, you've still got your IBS issues, but that won't be considered um, because the oncologist doesn't have the skills to do that. So we still have to support those things. And when I talk to my oncology patients, that's one of the things I want to know about. What is your other health problems? And if it's gut, we obviously have to address it because it's only going to get worse. And, you know, how are they going to get their nutrition in if they, you know, are just busting to go to the toilet all the time? Exactly. So important. Uh, What are you, you've kind of touched on a little bit of kind of like uh, therapies that you use uh, mainly for oncology, but at the moment, like what are your kind of favourite go-to things in clinic or when you're working with your patients specifically for kind of gut health? Yes. So, um, well, actually, uh, one of our favourites that we have, which is a bit different to a standard product, a bit more food as medicine, is we had these beautiful patients in their 80s that told us a couple of years ago about this product called Old School Fibre that they made. It actually wasn't a product. It was just something they made in their kitchen. I turned it into a product to make it easy <laughs> for our patients. But anyone can make it at home. And it's a fibre mix that you um, just mix up before bed at night time. And it's equal, equal parts of chia, quinoa and flax seeds. Um, and then half the amount of psyllium husks and you put some water or apple juice or coconut water or whatever you want on it and leave it to sit and in the morning you add it onto your cereal or whatever you know not cereal hopefully porridge or whatever else you're having with some berries and coconut yogurt or something for breakfast and it's just really great as a as a fiber you can probably tell us way more than I can about those individual fibers and what they do but I just love being able to teach patients about um, those kind of fiber benefits um, that they can get without always reaching for the like Metamucil or the laxatives that they come on um, often taking. And then a couple of other favourites would be glutamine. Like I just think, you know, so many awesome benefits. And recently I also love PEA because I'm starting to see lots of great actions of PEA uh, with gut patients, particularly in the short term when they've got lots of pain. Mm, I'm seeing the same thing, that like hypersensitive, you know, 100%. really reactive pain. Um, yeah. in and I think yeah, impact on the inflammation and nervous system that's probably affecting their gut health as well and that overstimulation, yeah. 
Mm, absolutely. It's um a key thing in my dispensary as well. And I, I want to circle back to the fiber because flax seeds are like my absolute favorite thing. Um, and they are like one of the best sources of fuel for the colonic microbiome and the um, amazing bacteria hanging out in there. So it's also one of the key things that I recommend for my patients. Um, do Are they whole in your mix and do you get patients to crush them down or do yeah, you? Yeah, I'd say if they're, so they're, the, the couple of oldies that recommended it, they never crushed theirs. They oh, just um, they just had them whole. I guess because they're um, kind of sitting and, and preparing overnight, I wonder if they, you know, dissolve and break down a little bit. Um, but if my patients, like our local whole food store, sells them crushed so that I'll tell them to crush them or buy them crushed, you know, from the fridge um, so those oils are still good. Mm, yeah, cool. Um, so for someone who's really busy and like completely overwhelmed right now, and they've got really bad gut issues like bloating or some stomach pain, maybe a bit of constipation or diarrhea, like what would be your little piece of advice that you want to give them today? Can I give three pieces? Sure. <laughs> Everyone's going to love that. They want, they, everyone yeah. always wants more. They're along the same line, okay? So what came to mind is a bit like the old school fibre. Like when you, it's sometimes, maybe I'm showing my age, I sound like an old school now. <laughs> um, so um, it's going back to those basics of that slow eating. So, you know, you may be crazy busy, but please take your lunch break and chew your food and don't do your work at the same time. Like take a moment. So chew your food. Um, if you're really busy, the meal prep, like getting that stuff sorted on Sunday. Um, you know, I know in our family, we're really busy with kids sports and all of those activities and our food and our um, symptoms of gut dysfunction within our family are much better if I prep the meals in advance rather than panicking. And then the other one would be slow cook. You know, I do think slow cooking food, um, it means it can be prepared in advance. It means some of the chewing is almost done uh, and you can just be a little bit more mindful about um, avoiding some of the, the foods that might irritate or upset the gut if you have a sensitive tummy. Mm, and I think this comes back to kind of like the, the basics of gut health too. Like if we're, I feel like sometimes we all get kind of focused on trying to find like the supplement or, you know, the, the thing to kind of fix the gut. But if we dismiss and don't address like what we're actually doing day to day and whether that's eating too fast or not eating the right foods that are you know going to make us feel good even things like sleep and stress and stuff like that and I know that that they're also big things you know that, that take time but I think um, we can't overlook those um, basic gut health principles because um, you're only going to get so far with supplements as well. We have to address those lifestyle pillars. So I love that, you know, that's what your advice is. Yeah, and I think the lifestyle pillars, when we address them, means that hopefully the patient can get the most out of the supplements but also be able to come off lots of those and have the tools that they've learned um, through those education lifestyle pillars to be able to manage their gut health long-term by themselves. Mm -hmm. um, if we give all the beautiful supplements but don't change those things and they're busy eating at their desk or, um, you know, eating the wrong type of food, then we know those things might return or, you know, not, not be resolved. And I feel like when people are really overwhelmed and busy, they caught, get caught in that grind a little bit. And then they start opting for more of those processed foods, which have like so many of like the emulsifiers and, you know, foods in there that 
also aren't great for gut health as well. Um, so I also think like putting into kind of maybe if I can add a fourth onto your little <laughs> um, uh, recommendations, I think it would be just like cutting out that stuff. Like, you know, if, if, if it feels too overwhelming uh, to do a specific diet or all of, you know, even just taking your supplements, if that's too much right now, like just start by not eating crappy foods and just going back to, you know, eating whole foods and things like that. And I know that there's deeper issues and, a lot of the patients I'm working with have, you know, multiple food intolerances and stuff like that. So there's so many different layers and it's easy to say, just go eat whole foods. Um, yeah. But generally speaking, you know, cutting out those packaged processed foods will make you feel so much better as well. Yeah, certainly in the first experience of gut health, I think if it's progressed or it's this invisible illness where they've already tried all of those things, then that's when they need those tests and that's when they need you, the gut specialist, because I think it can become almost uh, problematic in the stress that food causes if we don't move past that for some people and look a bit deeper. Do you see, I'm just really interested, um, a lot of food avoidance and, and fear of food as well. It's something that I'm really passionate about in my practice because obviously I'm seeing you know, a lot of people trialing so many diets um, and eliminating so many different foods. Are you seeing the same thing in your practice? I am. And I think the concern is a lot of people will be eliminating one group and because their gut health issues aren't a, a resolved, they'll start to eliminate another group of foods or they'll add in the AIP diet or something like that. And then they end up with like this tiny selection of foods mm. to eat and they've been eating that way for six months and they feel a bit better. But the concern of what that's doing to the microbiome, and you can probably talk more on that than I can, is pretty worrying and it's the same with the oncology patients you know i would say typically breast cancer patients and colon cancer patients two big groups of oncology patients um because they are common cancers have this tendency to cut all sorts of stuff out and i think it just depends on what they're googling and who's talking to them but they cut out huge amounts of food yet one of the biggest issues in oncology is particularly before chemotherapy is making sure they get enough nutrition mm. if they've cut out all of these things um, you know, going vegan would be one of the examples. I'm not saying I wouldn't do that. And certainly in colon cancer, there's some research about it, but you have to add other protein. in. Yep. You can't just cut it out and only eat vegetables because bad things will happen. Mm. And, you know, I see a lot of that and a fear of what the meat's going to do to them. And, you know, yes, um, it's disproportionate to and what it's the different types of meat. You got to think like when you're looking at that research, it's not meat overall it's you know those processed meats again or like and barbecue. barbecued yeah. meat yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes we you know dr google isn't always the best thing is it oh totally not no <laughs> i think it feeds into that fear and, and avoidance of food for sure mm -hmm. but i also get why people do it because they're in that you know they're in pain they've got all the things they're scared so yeah yes. now tell me like you've already um touched on it a little bit and maybe someone was like what did she say? What was that? Now you do, you run Vitae Mosaic um, and gosh, I don't even know when I did that. That must've been five, six years ago. I, think it, I was doing some work around that um, uh, for the accountant, a little bit boring, but I think it was 2016 <laughs> or 2017. So it was a long time ago now. I can't believe it's been that long, but yeah, I run Vitae Mosaic. It's the culmination of what I learned when I did my functional medicine training at IFM in the US and then what I know as an Australian naturopath and combining those things together to get the best outcomes for my patients. And I decided to use that to educate other practitioners and it's been really successful. And, you know, my passion is to change the phase of chronic disease in Australia. So people like your patients and my 
patients that have just got complex and chronic health problems have a better solution for improving their health. And so training all the naturopaths that are trained and also, you know, um, psychologists and um, oh, osteopaths and GPs and, and nutritionists and all the people that have done the course, this means I get the pleasure of thinking I can help more people than what I can do one-on-one. And so it's a beautiful course. And I think um, it's led to me meeting lots of lovely people as well, like yourself. And um, yeah, so it's fun to be able to bring some of these conversations to other practitioners to maybe just get them out of that overwhelm. Um, because I know you find with your practitioner training that you do too, people are just so overwhelmed because mm. the complexity of the cases that we're seeing in modern kind of healthcare um, is a little bit different to what we were trained for. And I hope Beta Mosaic is part of the solution to that. It absolutely is. And I do think that uh, when patients come to us now, they don't just come with one thing, you know, and like every time I get a form now, like even my gut patients, you know, they'll say I have IBS or SIBO, but, you know, I also struggle with energy or, you know, really painful periods or I have endometriosis or I have diabetes, you know, all of these things. So I think what you do and offer is amazing. Um, And you're so generous, like your course um, and your knowledge and the way that you share. So I think that if you're a practitioner and, you haven't done Vitae Mosaic, I really, you know, I've done it and I thought, you know, it has been um, the basis of the way that I practice and it really helped me grow um, as a new practitioner um, and it's kind of stuck with me over all of these years. So um, I will put a link to Vitae Mosaic um, in these show notes. So if it's something you're interested in doing, um, then, yeah, go and click on that link and check out what Carla does because it's amazing. Yes, and I think it's so important when we do see exactly like you said, people with so many problems, I don't want practitioners to feel overwhelmed by those. I just want them to have a solution and also to collaborate. I guess, you know, we have that great relationship. Um, I've called Carly twice this week to be like, I've got these <laughs> complex cases. So, you know, one of the strengths of Beta Mosaic is realising sometimes you don't have to know it all. And when you don't know it all, what to do. And I think Beta Mosaic now, because there has been so many um, practitioners go through, has also enabled us to figure out who's best at what and know when to send it to someone else as well. So I appreciate, you know, your part in that collaboration too. You're so welcome. Is there anything else that you would like to share um, as part of your interview today? Any kind of last minute thoughts? I just feel super passionate about what we do. And I guess, you know, if we think back to those people that you and I might see, and maybe if you're a practitioner or patient listening to this, if you're that person that feels like they have that problem that no one's found the solution to, um, keep going, don't stop, don't get stuck, Dr. Googling, you know, ask for help, reach out to yourself or um, myself or other people in our industry, because I just think we have so much knowledge and so much to share. um, And that empowerment and hope that we can give, we might not be the right person but we'll probably know the right person Mm. know a test that can help or know someone to refer you to or be able to give you a little old school advice about diet and all of those bits add up to you finding your wellness um and that the health care and i try and always do that care in capital letters the health care that we offer in our industry does have great solutions that hopefully you can access particularly if you've got those unknown things that you haven't been able to get resolution for And it's so important because I do feel like um, when it comes to uh, chronic, complicated cases, sometimes along the way, um, whether it be family or other professionals or other naturopaths, sometimes they kind of uh, get told that they're going to live with that illness for the rest of their life or that they're going to be dependent on a medication or, you know, and I feel like that is a really 
that sticks with people and it doesn't always necessarily have to be that way. Like I'm thinking at the moment in particular with my IBD patients, they definitely get told that um, they're going to have IBD for the rest of their life. Um, They'll be dependent on medication. But I have had patients who have come off medication who have gone into remission and that's not the story. That's not how their story ended up. So I think that it is completely possible and all you need is hope. And if you can hope and um, keep working forward and keep seeking other areas and keep trying different um, things, um, you know, you just never know what could be possible. So I love Mm -hmm. that, you know, and you talked about that way back then in um, Vita and Mosaic you know, hope. And that's always stuck with me as well. And I think um, offering that to patients is a really important thing. Yeah, for sure. In so many areas and getting them out of that box, you know, like you said, if you get into the IBD box in medicine, that's the the kind of where it goes. You know, here's the medicine. Here's what you do. This is a test that we need to get you to do every three months to maintain um, your health and ensure nothing else goes wrong while you're in the IBD box. But we want to get you out of the box because, mm. and not every time, we can't always do it, but um, that's the direction we're trying to get you in better and better and better out of the box. Um, addressing your what problem. else is going on? Like, why do you have IBD or why did you end up with breast cancer or colon cancer? Or like, you got to start unpacking this and kind of looking, well, what's driving that? Is there SIBO in the picture? Is there massive dysbiosis? And then once you start correcting those things, oh, I get like all like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. I think once you, maybe not breast cancer, but once you start addressing, well, it does have an impact, but I'm trying to think of a better example. Like if they have IBD and acne, you know, when you start to address all of those things and the acne just goes away, it shows how all of those drivers are connected and you haven't done anything. I love that. When you haven't done anything for their acne or anything for their period pain and they come back and they go, what did you do for my acne and period pain? Because it's gone away and you're like, I didn't do anything. I just helped your whole health and other problems have resolved. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the IBD box and you're treating for IBD, those problems aren't probably going away yeah I see the same thing with weight you know like I think like I don't even talk about weight with a lot of my patients and sometimes they can come back and they're like I've lost a kilo or four kilos or six kilos in the time that we've been working together I'm like awesome like you know no dieting no nothing like you know and of course that's not the case for every single patient but it is a really beautiful byproduct of getting balance back into that body and correcting inflammation and those drivers so Yeah. yeah yeah Yay. So amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and sharing your uh, knowledge. Um, And yeah, I will put in the show notes how you can get in contact with Carla. Um, She's an absolutely beautiful person and practitioner and runs an epic team down in Mornington Peninsula. If you're a Pracky, reach out to her. Um, And obviously there's a team of naturopaths down on the Mornington Peninsula. If that's where you live, you can go and see one of these beautiful ladies in their clinic as well. So, yeah, thank you. You too. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Did you like what you heard? Leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about my Nourish Gut program or the Nourish Gut Kids membership, head over to my website. Would you like to be a part of a community that gets it? Join our Facebook group, Nourish Gut Community, or come and follow me over on Instagram. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening and I will see you next time on the Nourish Gut Podcast.